And on this third Sunday of Easter, I think we need a new name for Doubting Thomas. Because while men may brand us with an adjective, God casts adjectives into the sea of his forgetfulness. You're listening to the Holy Joy Sermon Podcast. Visit us at holyjoys.org to find more resources for a holy, happy church. Until Pentecost Sunday on June 5th, we are still in the Easter season on the church calendar, so it is a fitting time to consider the characters of the Easter story. And a favorite for preachers is Thomas, one of the 12 often called Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Let's stand together this morning, John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thomas should have believed. There may even be a gentle rebuke in Jesus's words. Have you believed because you have seen me? But before we brand Thomas as doubting Thomas, let's consider a few more things very quickly this morning. In Mark's gospel, we get another perspective on Easter Sunday. Mark also records that Mary Magdalene went to the disciples and told them that Jesus was alive. But Mark 16.11 says, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they, all of the disciples, would not believe it. Mark also records that after these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. And they went back and told the rest of the disciples that they had seen the Lord. And Luke records, they did not believe them. All of the disciples initially refused to believe not just Thomas. Luke's gospel tells us more. Luke records that it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women, and that all of these witnesses told these things to the apostles that Jesus had risen, but Luke records these words seemed to them, all of the disciples, an idle tale. And some translations say that the words of the witnesses of the resurrection seemed like nonsense 
and they did not believe them. Verse 12 suggests that Peter ran to the tomb because he did not believe the women and had to see for himself. When Jesus met the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Luke records his rebuke. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All of the disciples refused to believe, not just Thomas. And here's my simple point this morning. Centuries later, much of the world, even much of the church, defines Thomas by his one moment of failure. We seem to forget the sins of the other disciples, like Peter, who denied the Lord three times. We don't call him denying Peter. We seem to forget our own sins. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel a little like Thomas. Maybe you failed. Maybe you've blown it. Maybe you've brought embarrassment and shame upon yourself. Maybe you've even gone through a period of backsliding. Maybe you're backslidden right now. And maybe you feel like there will always be an adjective attached to your name. Doubting, failing, stupid, foolish, arrogant, adulterous, drunken, angry, worthless. But I want to give you some good news this morning. What actually defines Thomas in the eyes of the Lord and what will define him for eternity is not his moment of failure, but his bold confession, my Lord and my God. Christ was patient with Thomas. He gave them an opportunity to see his hands in his side, and he will be patient with you this morning. Christ spoke peace to all of you, including Thomas. And he will speak peace to you this morning. And although Christ told Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, I don't believe that Christ was saying that Thomas wasn't blessed. You know, we have a tendency to read Jesus's words in the harshest way possible. I think it reflects sometimes our view of God. But listen to how Adam Clark summarizes Jesus's words in John 20. You have seen Thomas and therefore you have believed and now you are blessed. You are now happy, fully convinced of my resurrection. Yet no less blessed shall all those be who believe in the resurrection. And on this third Sunday of Easter, I think we need a new name for doubting Thomas. All of the other disciples doubted, but we don't speak about doubting James or doubting Andrew or doubting Philip. As I said, Peter outright denied the Lord and invoked a curse on himself and began to swear. And we don't call him denying Peter. Paul killed Christians, yet we don't remember him as persecuting Paul. David got Bathsheba pregnant and killed her husband to cover it up. And we don't remember him as adulterous David. Noah got drunk in his tent, yet we don't remember him as drunken Noah. Abraham lied about Sarah, yet we don't remember him as lying Abraham. 
We don't and we shouldn't. Because in the kingdom of God, though these examples are a sober warning to us about the seriousness of sin, no one needs to be defined for a lifetime by a moment or a season of failure. And so my word to you is that just as Christ restored Thomas, he wants to restore you. Just as Christ used Peter as a rock on which to build his church, he wants to use you. You are still loved. You are still usable. Repent thoroughly of any sin or unbelief in your life. Look to Christ as your only hope in life and in death. Make your restitutions. Embrace the church's gentle restoration and then move on. Move on. Forget what lies behind. Press on to what lies ahead because God still has a plan and a future and a hope for you. You're not washed up. And maybe you need to receive a new name this morning. Victorious Thomas or victorious, fill in your name, believing Thomas, confessing Thomas, restored Thomas, beloved Thomas. Because while men may brand us with an adjective, God casts adjectives into the sea of his forgetfulness. And that is very good news. Let's close this morning with John Wesley's prayer of confession from the Sunday service for the Methodists in North America. Let's pray together. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things and judge of all men, we acknowledge and lament our many sins and our wickedness, which we have from time to time most grievously committed by thought, word, and deed against your divine majesty provoking most justly your wrath and indignation against us. We earnestly repent of all unbelief, of all doubt, of all lust, of all anger, of all greed, of all slothfulness. We're sincerely sorry for our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous to us. But, oh God, have mercy upon us. Most merciful Father, For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all that is past and help us to press on to all that lies ahead. Grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please you in newness of life to the honor and glory of your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Holy Joy Sermon Podcast. Our labors for a holy, happy church are supported by generous listeners like you. Please pray about partnering with us at holyjoys.org forward slash donate.